Carnivorous couch, it happens once a week It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep It forces us to watch a film about which we then speak Carnivorous couch With Brady and Rob everybody hi everybody and thank you for tuning into another episode of carnivorous couch a film a week from two film geeks with brady and rob this week we did the 2007 film four weeks three months and two days a romanian film which won the palme d'or at uh, Cannes, right Cannes. and uh i'm here rob and also we have a uh, brady yeah and we're both here uh i think i did a pretty good intro actually. yeah no that was nice yeah I w- i'm always fucking up the title of this film, but I think I got it. That was, it. Nice, it was, it was fluid. It kind of glided. Yeah. Well, I am Slide Man. He Glide slides into Glider first. Man. Wait, no, you don't slide into first. Glide into first. Glide into first. So, who's going to plot synopsize y- this? You are. I'm yeah. going to do it. You've seen this more than once, right? Yeah. You you might as well do it. Yeah, okay, I might as well do it. Okay. We uh, open with a title telling us that it's Romania 1989. And the first thing we see is a fish tank with two little goldfish sitting on a hotel, not hotel, college dorm room table. And we pull back from it very slowly, and we see that two women in their early 20s are kind of making busy work, going around, packing things up into bags, folding stuff. And they're, they slowly start talking to each other, and we piece together that the women are going away on a trip somewhere, that they've booked a hotel, and that they're getting things ready for a couple nights stay away from their dorm room. And they're slightly pissy at each other. Yeah, they're they're brusque with each other. And the blonde woman uh, is talking to the brunette woman. And the brunette woman says that she needs a certain kind of soap because normal soap gives her dandruff. dandruff. And so the blonde woman goes into the hotel dorm room to get stuff together, to get soap and a certain brand of cigarettes for the brunette woman who claims she needs these things for the trip. Well, she goes to a, new, a nearby dorm room, right? Right. To buy them. Yeah, she go. Well, she goes to kind of a student store, like a a black market de facto student store. Well, it's People not like a student store. It's like some guy's dorm room, and it's a black market economy in Romania yeah. at this time. So the, yeah, this dude stu- has some stuff that he got from somewhere, and he's selling it at a market. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a general thing, though. This student who generally sells things to people. Yeah, in the to the other students. It's, it's kind of like when I was in college, we had. Uh, Nils, who uh, basically stole apples from the dining hall and uh, brewed cider in his room. And his, his room is pretty much a computer for playing video games and a lot of brewing equipment uh, made out of mostly like water jugs and stuff to sell <laughs> cider. And that's where all us underage freshmen went to get, uh, you know, 9% cider that didn't taste very good, but mm. would get you fucked up. That sounds nice. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, what we have is this blonde woman kind of walking around the hall, talking to women in the shower, trying to just get stuff together. And then from there, she goes off to uh, visit her boyfriend, who's about to take his exams, to tell her, to tell him, you know what, I won't be able to make it tonight to your mom's dinner. Also, we get a quick scene with her on the bus, where we see that this society, this 80s Romanian society, is very uh, kind of oppressively bureaucratic. When she's on the bus... Uh, there are ticket takers walking up and down the aisles, making sure that no one's riding free, and she's just barely able enough, barely able to uh, get a ticket from another passenger in time to avoid being caught. And so we get a picture of a woman who's very good at kind of making her way in society. And she's good at you know getting things that she needs, that her friends need, and she's good at kind of 
not falling afoul of the rules even when she's not generally keeping them. And so they meet up, and the boyfriend reacts, uh, gets very upset that she's not going to make it to the mother's dinner. And so she eventually relents and says, okay, okay, I will come to the dinner, even though you can tell it's a big deal that she does not want to do this. And we have no idea why. Yeah, we have no idea why. Then she goes off to a hotel and says, hey, I have a reservation for Dragut, Gabriella. Uh, we find out that Gabriella, or Gabita, is the name of the brunette woman back in the dorm room. Right, Dragut being her last name. Being her last name. Right. And uh, the blonde woman's name is Otelia. And I'm not remembering her last name. <laughs> Me neither. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So we have we have two women, and actually the fact that they're uh, Gabita, the, the the victim's name in this case, is uh, spoken often in the fact that um, our main protagonist is not uh, kind of leads to the 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 facelessness of of just women in Romanian society. I would say hmm, that's an interesting idea. But anyway, go on. So what happens is she says, "I have this reservation for this room," and the woman at the desk says, "Well." You're not in there. That name is nowhere in there. And she said, well, my friend called, you know, a week or so ago and made this reservation. She's like, uh, guess what? You messed up. You're supposed to call 24 hours in advance to confirm it. And so that didn't happen. And so she tries her best to get the hotel lady to go her way, but nothing doing. It doesn't work out. So she doesn't have this hotel that she needs. So she's forced to go to another hotel and book a reservation there. She's just barely able to get in. You know, the woman saying there's a big convention of some sort, a business convention in Bucharest, and that you know everything's filled up. But she's able to get that hotel room, and but the woman's even saying, you know, well we could put you in with another person, and for reasons we'll soon see, that would be completely unacceptable. Yeah, and there's an interesting dynamic in that scene that needs to be stated, which is that they, s they she seems to give sympathy on her, and and she's going to move things around. She realizes at one point in time that she has a expired ID. Uh, but it, there's this sort of camaraderie about living in a, you know, tyrannical Romania that is like, well, don't let them find you, but yeah, I'll help you. Like, she seems to know that something's... Yeah, that's like interesting. I need to help this person. Well, that's interesting, because then I read a complete lack of camaraderie in the first hotel woman. Right, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, that's... Yeah, I mean, this is a film about women in a lot of ways. So... Then, from there, she goes to meet a guy named Mr. Bebe. Mr. Baby. Mr. Baby. He's Mr. Quite, baby. He's quite baby. a baby. Yeah. He's quite the baby. And so she meets this guy in his car, and the first thing we learn is that she wasn't supposed to come. The friend, Gabita, had agreed to be the one to meet him. So that creates trouble because she's never seen the man before and has no way of knowing you know, how to find him. But she is able to find him in his car, and the man instantly is very perturbed that, wait, okay, we agreed your friend would come. You're here. Like we're off on a bad start already. That's what he said. Yeah, what the fuck is going yeah. on? Young lady I come here in my car. My car. My car. I come here in my car. I tell you who I am. You bring you come, you being her sister. Because at this point oh I yeah. believe she's her sister. Yeah, even though they're roommates, for some reason Gabita has said that that they are sisters. And so Well that just leads to the overall clandestineness of it. And have you said what this whole thing is about yet or is no, I haven't yet. Know. All right. In fact, yeah, that, uh, that's the thing. It must have been interesting for the first Cannes audience to watch this thing and not know until about halfway what was going on. Even uh, though you spoiler can spoiler culture, you can pick up hints, though. I guess. Okay, so eventually, the man uh, 
they go to the hotel, but first he makes a stop to check in on his mother. And we get this scene that's, I think uh, we'll talk about what it means thematically, but he's he's yelling at his elderly mother that while he's away, she needs to stay inside. She should catch, she could catch cold. You know, what, what are you doing outside? Like, like oh, I just wanted to get out for a bit. He's like, no, you're not supposed to do that. Get in the house. Yeah. Get away from sight. It's not safe. Right. It's not safe. You're supposed to be inside. Uh, you're sick. You're ill. Yeah. You're not well. So we get this idea that possibly over overprotective doctor. Doctors know the worst of what can go on. Right. And it's shot in an interesting way because we're in the car with Otelia as it's happening. And we barely can even see the mother's face, if at all. So it is from her perspective. And so, th- yeah, eventually they get back to the hotel and Gabita is there and she offers the man some cakes and he says, no, sit down. We need to talk like you. We got off on a really bad foot because you were supposed to come. Also, oh, I forgot to mention before they go up to the hotel, uh, the hotel that they didn't agree to go to. The guy wanted them to go to that first hotel that they couldn't get into. They grabbed the guy's ID, and that's another reason that the guy is very perturbed. He's like, okay, well, now, in order, I'm going to have to perform this operation, and let's just say it right now, he's going to perform an abortion on Gebita, and I'm down there. We could all get in trouble. We could all go to jail for this. Because abortions are illegal in Romania. Because abortions are illegal in, uh, yeah. And you go to prison. It's it's basically, uh, I think, a, s- a couple years prison. Yeah. Yeah, maybe as much as five. Uh, it's fi- Later on, they reveal that it's five to ten if it's past the first trimester because they get you for manslaughter. Right. That's right. And so he says, yeah, I, you didn't meet me in person. We're not at the hotel that we agreed on. And now, as a result, my ID's down and uh, down at the lobby. And if we get caught, now I could really go to jail because they'll know who I am. And so what happens is he kind of is using his muscle, his leverage, his position against them. Also, interesting thing about, he keeps saying over and over again, I came in my car, right? But when you look at all the cars driving around, it's all the same car. <laughs> yeah, that And they're just different colors. So it's like, I came in my car, my red, uh, and I, I got to assume <laughs> that these are Soviet cars. I think so. Yeah. Um, even though I believe Romania at this point in time is not a Soviet country. Or probably wasn't really part of the USSR, but... Uh, I think somehow aligned with Russia. I don't know the. I mean, it was socialist. I think it. Oh, okay, so it's socialist, but it's not part of the USSR. I yeah, I mean, it's it's a democracy for one thing. They had uh, socialist, but it's a democracy. Oh shoot! Wait, it's it's, de- <laughs> it's definitely. I think I don't know. That's what I'm saying. But I'm uh, I my understanding is that they're aligned with the Eastern Bloc. Right. And that that the cars in that country are. Soviet cards that are all the same thing, maybe different colors. But yeah, no. Well, what we see right from the start in this is is a country that's oppressed and drab and generic, and not a lot of not a lot of color or, or real happiness going on. <laughs> so then, so Mr. Bebe gives up on chastising them for a bit and says, "Okay, well, lay down in the bed. Let me. I need to inspect well, you." Well, it's uh, the main character's name is Marquita. No, uh, uh, Otelia. Otelia. I don't know where I got Marquita from. Marquita. That's the woman in one. So that's oh. the actress. Okay, right, right. That's fine. Uh, no, that has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> I'm just a crazy <laughs> person whose brain draws lines between things. But anyway, like, uh, it, he's he gives up on chastising them because uh, Ophelia. No. Otelia. Otelia says, like, what's the procedure and what are the risks? And, like, let's bring it back to practicality. Right. With this emotional bullshit, like, where you're pissed off or upset. Like, 
it's a given that we're going to do this. We have to do this. And so, therefore, just, doctor, tell me the risks. Yeah, th- and that's, yeah, actually, thank you, Rob. That's very important because, once again, we get Otelia the fixer, Otelia the person who tries to smooth out the situation, and she's very good at doing that, which is what will eventually make this a very sad scene. Oh, I did forget that part. Oh, my, my super glidey smooth entrance. This is a spoiler-full podcast where we tell you everything that's going on. Uh, and we give you this plot synopsis at the beginning. So if you haven't seen the movie and you don't care about spoilers, you can, you know, go ahead and um, do the whole thing where you listen to it and you understand what's going on because we've explained it to you. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, yes. Uh, at that point, he asks her to lay down on the bed so we can kind of give her uh, a brief physical. Let me examine you. And what this leads to is him concluding that she said she was in her third month or no, second month. She said she was in her second month, right? And, and he says, okay. Initially, that is what she said. Yeah. And he examines her and kind of can tell right away. And can tell that she's much further along than that. And so he says, all right, young lady, listen, where you are in your trimester has an impact on the criminal sentence I could get that we could all get. Well, he says that the procedure differs. At oh, yeah, and the procedure differs. Well, cause Which we later find it doesn't because he does the same procedure either way. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly uh, how. What he's saying is the procedure differences for you, but it's actually th- about the criminal sentence. Yeah, it's about the criminal sentence. And so eventually what comes out is the movie... Well, th- funny enough, they never actually say the movie's title out loud, but what comes out is that she's actually in her fourth month, thus the title, four months, three weeks, two days. And I do really like that. Yeah, it's a nice touch. And so what happens there is he says, okay, now we're in real high criminal territory if I'm caught for this, and he begins chastising them again, and this, yeah, and this scene has like kind of a, to me, a beautifully bland poetry to it because he's repeating certain things over and over. Like Rob said, the, I came in my own car. I'm not hiding anything from you, and now my ID is down at lobby. What do we do? My ID is at lobby. I could be caught. And so what's happening is he's slowly kind of exercising this leverage over these women, and what eventually comes to pass is that he refuses to do the procedure unless. They both will have sex with him. And so, and the uh, Gabita tries to fight it off at first and tries to say, okay, how about just me? Like, I'm the one who fucked up. I'm the one who wasn't clear on things and didn't book the hotel correctly. Just me. But he's like, nope, I have total leverage. I refuse. My terms are my terms. If not, you guys can do it somewhere else. Knowing full well that this laid into the (laughs) the procedure, into her pregnancy, she's probably not going to be able to find another person in time. And so, yeah, it's, you know, this guy to me is a, a metaphor for uh, an entire society that oppresses women, and uh, both a metaphor and a, a very natural byproduct of it. And so that's what happens. We don't see any of it, uh, thank God. But, yeah, he has sex with both of them and then does the procedure. And so... Oh, I missed that. He had sex with both of them? Yeah, I mean, you don't you don't see it, so it's... I assume that he had sex, uh, that he was like, I don't want to have sex with the pregnant woman, and I'm going to have sex with the friend. No, no, he's he was saying, I want, like, both of you. Oh, I didn't realize it was both of them. Cause she, so then what happens is Gabita, uh, while Otelia undresses, she goes out into the, the foyer, whatever, outside the hotel room, and very nervously borrows a cigarette uh, in this terrible situation. So she goes outside to not have to be near it. Right, I noticed that she has sex with uh, o- Ofita. Yeah, and... Uh, the is that right, the right name? Uh, yeah, Otelia. 
Otelia, sorry. God damn it, I keep fucking it up. Um, okay, so I know that she was having sex with her at that point. I don't. I didn't know that she had sex with Marquita. That he had sex with, uh, with Gabita. I mean Gabita. God damn it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Pepita. <laughs> Pepita. Sangria. No, I don't know why I got Italian there. Oh, I, I do know why I got Italian there. It's because there's the name Dragut. I looked up the name Dragut because I thought it was a pseudonym, and it, it's actually this guy who conquered, uh, what was it, Mamalt? What, what the fuck island was it? Uh, anyway, anyway, so I thought that had some significance, and I did a bunch of research before the thing, and it turns out it's nothing, so I'm not really going to mention it except for the fact that I have, but that's just off Italy, and that's why I keep doing the Italian accent. But, um, okay, so anyway, I thought she only had sex with Ophelia. Ophelia? O- Otelia. Otelia. <laughs> This is like these. I thought he only had sex with Otelia because uh, basically uh, Otelia goes. Uh, sorry. Gabita goes out, has a cigarette while she's in there with Ophelia. O- yeah, o- Otelia. Otelia. God damn it. <laughs> I know. That's so confusing. And, um, and then, then she comes, comes back, back in. Goes into and the then bathroom. she goes in the bathroom to wash. And then she goes back out there. I thought it was to get examined and get prepped and stuff because when she comes back in there, he's he's prepping her and. Inserting the probe, etc. I think we jump for uh, after this whole scene. We jump forward to where he's doing his prep and she's undressed herself on the bed. Uh, what happens is, is there any like direct indication that he had sex with both of them? Because I was pretty sure he just had sex with Otelia. I'm I'm pretty sure he had sex with both of them because what happens is then after she's sitting in the bathroom. Uh, oh, and this is important because it's the start of uh, a little bit of a motif. I think there are a couple things in this movie that are kind of motifs, and probably the most important one is this water kind of plays a role from time to time in things. As well as a silencing mechanism. Yeah, water as a as kind of a silencing mechanism, a cleansing mechanism. Uh, well, maybe, but certainly False a metaphor, yeah. a metaphor for shutting out nasty truth. So. Gabita runs the water so that she doesn't have to hear what's still going on in the room. Then we see Otelia walk into the bathroom with her pants off, and she goes to wash up, to wash out uh, the semen in the bathtub. Right. And then Gabita goes out, where I I assume she then has sex with him. Okay, Uh, we are getting a little bit of color commentary in on this. Let's try to uh, continue to expedite this and keep the... uh, Plot synopsis too. Okay, just what happened. So then, after all that, uh, then then eventually Gabita comes back into the bathroom. After that, he examines her. He does the procedure, and he tells her something that I think maybe this doesn't come up enough to be quite as much uh, a motif as the water, but I think it's something interesting. He says, "When you have it, when it's out, afterwards, go to a skyscraper and throw it off a building." Don't bury it. No, throw it down the yeah. garbage chute. Throw it down the garbage chute. Don't bury it because dogs will dig it up. They'll they'll find it. And Don't dig bury it, up. it where dogs can dig uh, dig it up. Take a bus to a skyscraper. Go to the tenth floor or above and throw it down the garbage trash chute. Yes, and so uh, the dogs thing will come up a little bit in a, a much later scene, and. So, yeah, he does the procedure, and, and what's r- kind of weird and sinister is that he's being very friendly, as if nothing in the world happened. Like, yep, this is just part of my trade. I get paid in sex. Uh, so And he says kind of, well, yeah, call me if you guys need me, and I'm like, we won't. He's so like, okay. So what happens next? Then 
What happens next is a very intense dialogue scene of Otelia confronting Gabita, like, why didn't you just do this right? It's like, oh, I'm sorry, like, no, what, like, if we just done. Why, why right. did you say I was your sister? Why'd you say I was your sister? Why did you, Why'd you uh, trust not the get the goddamn reservation? Why didn't you pick a woman? Why did you trust yeah. the person who recommended this guy? Yeah, why this guy? Why everything that led to this horrible Well, rape. we skipped the whole conversation. There was a conversation about money where he goes like, well, I know we talked about, like, I'm being nice to you. Why aren't you nice to me? Right, that's what he says. But, but uh, you know, he says over and over again, I didn't mention money. I didn't talk about money. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like... Kind of like in in his mind, this was the whole thing the whole time, or theoretically, he might just be guilt tripping them to do that. But anyway, there was that that sense of, I'd be nice to you, you'd be nice to me. Hey, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think if it hadn't gone wrong, they could have handled it with money. But yeah, as soon as things were wrong, he was ready to exploit in that what in that fashion, and so eventually, she lets the conversation drop. And like he also okay. says he has a wife and kids. Oh yeah, he does say that. And so then Otelia's like, well, okay, now I have to leave you here while I go to my boyfriend's mother's birthday dinner. And so we get her going to this dinner, and we get this really interesting scene that's just probably five minutes long of just her sitting at a table surrounded by... Well, let's start from the beginning of that. She walks in. Yeah, she walks in. She says, can I use your phone? Yeah, oh yeah. She says, can I use the phone to check on Gabita? Uh, well, she didn't say what it's for. Right. Can I use the phone? And then he comes in and he goes like, oh, why couldn't you make it? And blah, 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 blah. And then she says, I have to use the bathroom. And she runs away with him very quickly, goes to the bathroom, then comes back out. Then they tell her to take off her shoes. And then she goes in and we have this scene. Yeah, and we have this scene that's just kind of a bunch of uh, richer people. All these people are doctors or technicians, medical technicians. And, you know, they're kind of having just this boring, sprawling, bourgeois conversation about this and that. But what it's and it's very uh, filled. All these people are in the scene, passing things across the table, clattering spoons and the like. Stationary shot focused yeah. directly on Gabita. There are people off to the or side. Otelia. T- uh, shit, Otelia. Because I always want to say Ophelia, but with a T at the end, so I want to say Ophita. Um, Otelia. <laughs> so, so now you've introduced but a new She's name. centered in the shot. You can see the mother. You can see. Uh, just kind of people hanging out in the foreground, the background. Yeah. And uh, but she's centered in the frame. Yeah, she's centered. And so, what's really the focus of things is not the dialogue, but just the strain and the tension on Otelia's face, forced to sit here minute after boring minute, listening to bourgeois bullshit, really, while thinking that just thinking of what could be going on in the hotel room. And naturally, our thoughts go there too, because we think she could be bleeding out. Uh, the police could have come and arrested her. And so anything could have happened, and yet she's stuck doing this kind of obligation to her boyfriend. And so eventually she's able to at least retire to the boyfriend's room with him. And even there, she has trouble getting him to get the phone. He keeps interjecting and, like, wow, why are you being so taciturn? Why are you being brusque? Like, is everything okay? She's like, yes, everything, everything's fine. Everything's fine. And then eventually she's able to use the phone and check on Gabita. Well, at a certain point, doesn't come out that this whole thing's happening. Oh with yeah, and, well yeah, that's what. And eventually, and she's that's why she's upset. Yeah, and she's able to tell the boyfriend that you know we're having an abortion. So at first, he didn't know why this was happening. Eventually, she explains that to him, and then she kind of has a conversation with him, saying like, "Well, you think the same thing. You think you know what your your parents are thinking. Like you think this. You haven't said it, but I know you think it. Yeah. What would blah, we blah, blah, do? Blah. Yeah. What would we do? It's just like." Well, I mean, uh, that wouldn't happen. And she's like, well, you 
you came inside me last Thursday when I told you to pull out. And blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And, well, now he doesn't have a leg to stand on. And then she goes, like, you know, you're just like all of them. Like, you think exactly what they think and blah, 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 blah. Uh, what were we doing? And she's like, oh, I, I'd marry you, I yeah, guess. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd take care of it. I'd marry you. Yeah. And so eventually. Because during the conversation at the table, he says he's against abortion, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, oh no. Wait. No. At, at a certain point, he says, I, I said I was against abortion because I think it's dangerous. I don't think so. I assume that it was said at the table. Maybe it was said in a previous conversation they had off camera. Yeah, probably off camera. All right. Um, yeah, because he actually doesn't really say anything around the table. It's all the parents' friends and the parents. Well, I missed a couple minutes of the movie at this point because I had to. Pee. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. So I was assuming that I'd missed that. Uh, apparently, I wasn't. Anyway, go on with the plot. So let's just. Let's okay. Just okay. Let's. Yeah, yeah. All right. We're doing it. We're doing it. All right. So, so she's clearly very upset, and she's. Okay, well, I have to go. I need to go back to the hotel room and check on her. And he's like, wait, wait, but my mom made her meringue for you, like the dessert she made just for you. She's like, finally, she's just like, whatever. I don't care. I'm off. Goodbye. And so she goes running through uh, the streets at night. It's night now, trying to uh, find a bus to take her to the hotel. Uh, at one point, she stops and throws up, which I'm pretty sure is just <laughs> the, Being the sheer upset. tension. Nerves. One yeah. time when I was a, a kid, we moved. I, I just got very ill, and I couldn't stop thinking about marshmallows, and I threw up because it made me sick. My mom uh, guessed it was because we moved, and I was upset about moving. All right, so then she gets back to the hotel room. That's my little... <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, she gets back to the hotel room. She almost has some issues uh, getting back up because she doesn't have her ID with her, and there's some kind of... There's a wedding going on, and the clergy... Or not the clergy, the concierge seem to be a little tipsy, and they're having fun, but in spite of them having fun, it's not enough to make them not do their job. So as she tries to go up, the guy's like, got oh, ID. He's like, I just, I left it up there. And so she's allowed to go up, but we're thinking the whole time that maybe she won't be. And eventually she gets there. Gabita isn't dead. The police haven't come. And we see that she's had the abortion. The fetus is lying on a towel in the bathroom. Yeah, a kind of really grotesque close-up of the fetus that y she picks up tenderly. Yeah, we've, yeah, it pans down to it. And we hold on it for maybe 10 seconds. And... Then it's a long time in film terms. Yeah, a long time. And so then she she gets it into a purse, and she walks down into uh, the night. And here's where the dogs come up, because this is another very tense scene. She's walking for a long time in film terms, as Rob would say. And <laughs> and so the entire time we're getting, we're feeling her nervousness, and we're seeing men walking up behind men her. Men walking behind, dogs are barking. Yeah, dogs barking in the, the night. The camera is uh, handheld, kind of sweeping to this way and that, showing different things around the background of her. Yeah, I know. Easily, yeah, easily the most trash. disorienting part yeah. of the movie. And so this goes on for many minutes. Stairwells, stairwells going up and down. Stairwells, yeah, dark stairwells. And, uh, yeah, eventually she gets into a building and is able to go up to the 10th floor and drop the thing off. Then she goes back to the hotel, and she can't get into the hotel room because it's locked, and Gabita's not there. So, oops, another <laughs> possible disaster might have happened. And so she goes down into the lobby like, oh, where is she, where is she? And the concierge says, oh, your friend's in the restaurant. And so this is, uh, I, I don't think I've mentioned this yet, but this is just an example of Gabita being a little inconsiderate and flaky, uh, and she's kind of the foil to Atelia, who is the stalwart person who can get things done. Uh, so it's just two very different kinds of women. 
who we see, uh, good character diametrics. And so she's there ordering food, and the waiter comes and says, oh, here's the wedding menu. I'll let you think about it. And so they sit at the table looking at the window, and Otelia says, okay, you know what? We're just never going to talk about this again. And uh, that's how it ends. Ophita. Not Ophelia. Otelia. Oh, shit. Oh, okay. I thought, I, said, I thought you said Ophelia, <laughs> and then I was correcting you. Otita. So anyway, that's our 25-minute uh, uh, plot synopsis to describe a, uh, a um, you know, 109-minute uh, movie. movie. So if you didn't watch the movie, you pretty much got it. And if you have watched the movie, sorry for that revise, but I hope I uh, interjected a little bit of a, you know, just nice light whatnots in there while we were doing it. We're going to be back with our next segment after this. Hey everybody, welcome to Critics Corner. This is a new segment, which I've just made up off the top of my head. Brady watches like a billion movies every week. I mean, well, no, Brady just watches a billion movies in a lifetime. Yes. Uh, if there are a billion movies. If there are one-seventh of the human population. If you're listening to this in 20 years, it's probably uh, down to yeah. five billion. But um, I think Land Before Time sequels account for half of them. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we're going to do this new segment here where Brady goes, yo, 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 this is the last movie I watched. Here's two minutes on it. Once again, this is a spoiler-full podcast, so if you don't want... What movie are you doing? Oh, uh, this week I'm going to do Seven Beauties. From the year... 1976. From the year 1976. Brady's going to do Seven Beauties from 1976. If you don't want it spoiled for you, go ahead and fast-forward two minutes right now and tick 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 go okay well first off let me fill you in on what i kind of do when i'm not reviewing movies with rob i've got a little project where i'm moving sequentially through the years trying to watch a all the best picture nominees and then any other films that i hear are notable this one wasn't nominated for best picture in 76 but it does have the distinction of being the first female director nominated for a thing it's a foreign movie directed by lena wertmuller and it's italian it's called Seven Beauties, and it's about uh, a man with the last name. Oh, no, his last name isn't Seven Beauties, but he has this nickname of Seven Beauties because he's actually kind of an ugly man. And it's about this very unctuous, very kind of slimy survivor hustler type uh, in a really bold, great comedic performance by, oh, I'm forgetting his name, something Giannini, Giancarlo Giannini, I think. And it's about him in World War II eventually getting put into a concentration camp, but we also flash back to his time before then, dealing with his sister's suitors. He doesn't want his sisters, who are very One ugly, minute. to uh, marry, you know, to he doesn't want his reputation to be besmirched or to think that, you know, people to think his sisters are whores or that their family is low. But what it's really about is, as he goes into the concentration camp, him learning that he's the kind of person who can survive because he's able to kind of discard his honor. And so it's this very interesting dark portrait of the war and people who survived the war as kind of a time when heroes died and the people who remained were either the evil men or the people who were willing to debase themselves to survive. So it's about debasement in the context of the war. I, I recommend it highly for how uncomfortable it is, and it's got a lot of interesting scenes. Mostly, I recommend it for this performance. It's a really a terrific performance. This guy's been in a lot of stuff. He plays uh, one of the characters in the most recent James Bond films and was in A Walk in the Clouds with Keanu Reeves. But this is a much better movie than any of those, and so I recommend you see it. Uh, see the first female director Oscar nominee. Hey, 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 how do we like it?
Hey everybody, that was a great edition of Critics Corner with Brady Larson. Uh, we're going to go ahead and do our um, typical segment that we do here, which is called... Hey, how do you like it? Uh, Brady, how did you like this movie? Uh, you know, I think this is a great movie. Uh, I'll, I'll get the grade out of the way right now. I'll just say it's an A for me. Um, and it's just to me, it's really interesting because it's making a critique on a chapter in history, a very oppressive chapter in Romanian history in the 80s when the Ceausescu re regime, this guy Ceausescu and his wife, were just really brutal to people. And it was a time of just like horrid, oppressive bureaucracy. And and so it's about the way that women in society are oppressed, but it's not preachy. It gets all its points in just through sheer visceral horror. And at the center of it, you have this fantastic performance by this actress, uh, Anna Maria Marinka. And so she kind of anchors it just with her face and having to carry it. But it's, it's really, to me, inventively shot. Uh, and I love it mostly because... Uh, it gets its points off in really visceral ways. Like you think about that scene at the dinner table, just a scene of it's n that's both immediate and showing the agony that she is waiting, wondering if her friend is dying. But also at the same time, we're seeing kind of this woman of a lower class surrounded by richer, more bourgeois people who don't have to deal as much with the horrors that are heaped on her. And so it's about being a woman in an oppressive society and does it with great acting, interesting scenes and, uh, and just, yeah, it's such a vivid depiction of of societal horror to me and also a really interesting uh, period piece of that time in Romanian history. So, yeah, I, I give it an A. It's, it's really terrific. Uh, this movie, for me, uh, when I originally watched it, I thought it was a B- because uh, kind of there were various things in characters' motivations, especially the doctor, the horrible abortion doctor that they, they reached to, and also... Um, Otelia herself. Uh, I got a nice. one. Yay! Everybody give me cheers. Insert cheers. Sound that sort of sound bite here. Hooray. I don't have that sound bite, so I probably won't do it in production. Uh, if I wanted to, I would put a marker here, but uh, my finger's not quite reaching the end key. Oh, can't quite do can't it. Can't quite do it. Um, so originally I went B minus because I. Yeah, okay. So. I can't get my brain around the doctor who is doing abortions for sex because if you have any idea of what you're doing, obviously, you, if you have sex with people who are and their friends in payment for abortions, now you're just creating a more likelihood that they'll be pregnant and then thus need an abortion and thus create that system. Wait, if you're an abortion doctor, don't you want there to be a lot of abortions? I mean, he's not an abortion doctor, though. He's a doctor, and he just does this theoretically for extra money or out of the goodness of his heart, right? Well, I mean, I think uh, he probably makes a lot of money off of it because he's able to exploit the black market effect that people will pay, pay dearly. Yeah, and, and so, th I mean, originally this was one of the reasons I didn't like it, because I can't wrap my head around that kind of human being. I I'm not that kind of human being. You're not that kind of human being. I don't think I know any of those kinds of human beings. And if I do, God help me, because they're very good at hiding it. But just like that, the idea of that kind of person. But then I thought, well, wait a minute, but we know those kind of people exist. Like, we know they're murderers, or blah, blah, blah. And so, okay, so this is just one of those kind of sociopaths who has a wife and kids and is going to sleep with uh, people who need abortions, uh, which is just like, 
fucking horrible, basically. And that. Oh yeah, no, it's awful. Yeah, and so like, my initial reaction was, I don't understand this character's motivations and this and that. So that doesn't make sense to me. So there's a problem with the film. Um, I've since, over time, thinking about this over the past, uh, it's been a week, huh? Uh, over the yeah. past week, revised myself to go, yeah, I mean, I guess there are people like that, and that does exist, and that's horrible, so me downgrading the movie based on the fact that a um, character like that exists probably isn't valid. So um, there was that, and then there was also the... Um, the I felt like a lot of shots were unnecessarily handheld uh, in the case where it uh, created sort of a disorienting viewing thing for the for the, uh, the uh, disoriented viewing frame for the audience. Yeah, that's how I, that's how I say it without reusing the same word twice in the same sentence. Well done. Uh, but then I w- realized that um, this actually works greatly to the film's effect by giving you this sort of voyeuristic quality uh like a window into the lives of these people as if you're standing in the corner and no one's paying attention to you like uh, B- uh once again Bazin's transcendental lens uh if you guys haven't read Bazin or haven't read about the transcendental lens go read about it because it's kind of a trope of film school it's a stereotypical thing you study in film school but it's also very valuable when you're trying to view movies basically this being a window into people's environment and uh, when you do things like make it all handheld or monopod or whatever they're doing to make it unstationary but yet stationary, um, it creates a sort of a feeling that you're looking into something that you shouldn't see, but you are, uh, which I think works to this film's benefit. So I've since from then downgrade or upgraded it from a B minus to a B plus, uh, which is a very high grade for me because I don't think it's a total masterpiece. But there's nothing wrong with it. It's it's a very good film. Uh, but maybe, once again, the segment is called How Do You Like It, not How Good the Movie Is. But because it's such a difficult film to watch and because it's so uncomfortable, I, of course, don't like it like I like other movies that are also difficult to watch. But for some reason, I'm more comfortable with as uh, me in society, me in this world. Uh, it's a very hard film to watch, and it's very kind of disturbing on the psyche. And when and when you realize that things happen like this, you tend to not like it as much, or like it more. It's a very conflicting feeling. Uh, so that's why it's not an A. Uh, I rarely give films an A. Um, B plus is a very high grade for me, and I think everybody should see this film. And I think it's a very good film. But as a p- as far as how I like it, it's a B plus. All right. I, I would not watch this movie just like on a sunny Sunday afternoon when I'm feeling good and feeling fine, right? It's pretty shocking the number of times I've seen this because, yeah, I agree with you. It's a gnawing feeling in your stomach as you watch it. Uh, like one thing I'll say, that scene that eventually ends with the sex, because that goes on, what, probably close to 20 minutes maybe? That's a long oh, scene. Oh, right, with the, the whole explanation of this is the way this is supposed to work. And, and just even the thing... I think you touched... No, I don't think you touched on this. You touched on the fact that he leaves his ID. Oh, no, I didn't. But You're later right. on, you didn't touch on the fact that um, when he leaves the hotel, he doesn't take his ID with him. Right. Which basically clues us into the fact that it is a... It is not... 
his real ID. He doesn't give a fuck about it. Yeah, it's not his real so ID, and the danger he spoke of while real is probably overstated to improve his bargaining position for sex. Right. And, you know, the idea that, oh, I came here in my car. Well, you mean your car that looks exactly like every other fucking car? <laughs> because it's a Soviet car building whatnot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'll say, like, so much worse to watch the, that scene on subsequent viewings because it goes on a long time. And it's, it's as I said, just kind of this banal poetry of him just repeating, you know, I'm, I'm open with you. I, I left my IDs down there. Like, what position were you in? Like, we, we can't go back now. Well, I'm not lying to you. I'm being open. And it's kind of just like he's repeating these phrases. And watching the scene in subsequent viewings when you know how it'll turn out is like, it's, it's awful. It's it like watching a boa constrictor. It's well rehearsed. It's yeah, it's I've done this a billion times before. I know if I do this, it will have this emotional effect on these yeah. girls and I'll get what I want. It's a snake and, and slowly again, eating its prey. To right. Me. Or its tail, as it were, because its prey is basically creating more prey to eat. Yeah, but but that's to his benefit. So he's a fucking death eater, basically. Yes. Uh, but I mean, ah, it's just so horrible for me to think of. I I have a real hard time believing that people because <laughs> there's so many things about society, and and, th and this film is very much like a a feminist film. It gives uh, the females all the agency and shows how the society takes away the agency from them. But meanwhile, in, in driving the plot forward and so forth and so on, they talk about things together that they have a conversation about stuff that isn't about a male. Right. In fact, we don't hear anything about Gabita's, whoever she had sex with, to need this abortion, do we? Um, I mean, Maybe from a man. Like, like I think maybe Mr. No, Bebe says, they, like, they don't I don't ask who the father was. Yeah, but they don't have, like, I think all of, uh, of Otelia's and Gabita's, yes, I got it right again, um, conversations... Hardly any of it's about men. Oh yeah, no, they they don't right. talk about. So him. this passes the Bechtel test, which y is yes, which is do two female characters have a conversation about something that's not a man for more than X amount of seconds? I don't know what the X amount of seconds is. Um, do they talk about something that's not a man uh, or a relationship with a man or blah 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 for X amount of time, uh, thus giving them the agency outside of you know attributing that agency to a man. It's probably one of the first films I've seen uh, since I've heard of the Bechdel test that actually passes it. Yeah. Think about any film. Any film. Okay. Does it pass the Bechdel test? No. Nah, what I film is it? It's Pulp Fiction, which Pulp I love. Pulp Fiction. But they, you don't really get two women together in that film. Nope. Uh, let me see. Uh, Death Proof, though. Yeah, Death Proof. Very Death Proof passes the Bechdel much. test. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting. I, I definitely think, I know we're like way off the topic of, hey, 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 how do we like it? But I think we covered it. But on a side note, I think that um, for many reasons, and I think we should have an upcoming episode on Reservoir Dogs so that I can expound upon this. But I think for many reasons uh, that that um, Tarantino is a very feminist film director in the terms of Reservoir Dogs. He is able to create agency and female characters that are non-existent in the plot of the film. Like, in the film, from credit beginning to end, I think there's a bank teller and a woman with a car who gets shot or something like that. And those are the only female characters in the film. But there are many female characters mentioned um, in a way that gives them agency. So I, I agree. In a future episode, I would like to do that movie so I can expound upon it. No, that. yeah, I'll say, like, I, I don't want us to go off on the wrong direction either, but I'll, yeah, I'll say Tarantino, in spite of dealing, uh, dabbling a lot in the stylings of male machismo, 
I think is uh, closer to a feminist director shouldn't be mentioned in the same breath as someone who to me maybe is a little misogynist like a guy Ritchie. Right, exactly. And certainly not Boondock Saints. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. That oh let's punch a fat woman in the face. Yeah. Okay, we're going to be back with our next segment. Uh, what's it all about in one second here? Hey, everybody. Welcome to our next segment. What's it all about, Rip Booger? Rip Booger? And for those of you who think that's a racist thing, no, it's an impersonation of a white male who's very old named Malcolm Corley uh, in the film Full er, Film. Well, I mean, it's basically an interactive film. Uh, the LucasArts video game Tim Schafer from 1994 called Full Throttle, which is one of my favorite games ever. And so when we go, <laughs> no, we're not imitating old black men. We're imitating an old white man. Yes. So we're not racist, despite the fact that we're both white males. Because we're allowed to imitate <laughs> other white males, right? I suppose so. Uh, no, the, the funny thing uh, that happened, I think it was earlier this week, we were doing impersonations of Obama, and your girlfriend just went, white white people, and like walked out, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that was an insane idea to me that like, wait a minute, it's all of a sudden racist because we're making fun of the president, but the president happens to be black? Because we're allowed to make fun of George W. Bush, we're allowed to make fun of Clinton, we're going to make, like, every fucking president ever, but not the black one. Right. Right. Because if you make fun of the black one, then people just go, <sighs> white people, and walk out. What the yeah. fuck is that? It's the president. It is the most powerful person in the world, possibly. Right? Yeah. Are we not allowed to make fun of the king? Who's the king? The most powerful person in the world, possibly. Oh. Uh, Are us peasants not allowed to make fun of the king? I mean, I know back in in uh, feudal society we weren't, and we'd be put to death for it, but still. Or your tongue would be cut out. I think that was the punishment. Right. Uh, I don't know. I believe the typical punishment for speaking ill of the king was your tongue would be cut out. That's, And there's like a lot of plays and stuff, a lot of Shakespeare and stuff, teeters on the line. Because of that. Oh, yeah. Right. That that kind of ribald humor involving the royalty, especially in King Richard V and King Richard III. Wait, fifth? Fourth? Third? He wrote plays on the third, I know for sure. Didn't he write some about the fourth and fifth? Oh, Henry the Fourth? Henry the Fourth. Yeah, Henry the Fourth. That's King Richard great. III, Henry the Fourth. Those those are both Shakespeare, right? Henry the Fourth, that's where you get, uh, what's his name? Oh, come on. Falstaff. Mm. Possibly one of the best. The the shaggy. <laughs> <laughs> the shaggy do of. of uh, not shaggy do. Shaggy do. <laughs> Sandler. Anyway. Uh, yeah, what's it all about, Brady? What's it all about? Wait, I, I'll go first. Yeah, okay, you go first. Okay, so I think this movie on its face is about. Uh, two women trying to secure a an abortion in 1989 in R Romania, despite the fact that it was made in 2007. Now, it's interesting to think that I saw it, knew it was made in 2007, thought it was uh, about 2007. Well, lack of telephones, man. Why do they have cell phones? Well, I just thought, uh, it's Romania. 
Yeah. <laughs> so maybe they don't have all that shit, but that's just me from my bias of living in a first world country with first world problems and looking at a, mm, I think Romania is probably a second world country. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't think of or them as third world, but... Like, first, second, third world, that's all bullshit. But basically, I was looking at it as a country that was less evolved than my own country. And I assumed that, yeah, they could be at the point where, you know, they'd have to make uh, phone calls via landline for everything because they wouldn't have cell phones because uh, they're less evolved than us, which was kind of a stupid assumption to make, but it's just what I made knowing that it was Romania, and I don't know anything about Romania. So I just kind of made this assumption. But it's actually set in 1989. So this movie, what it's all about is, well, directly, uh, two women trying to secure an abortion in 1989, Romania, when abortion is illegal. What it is actually about is an oppressive society run by uh, men and higher class uh, people who have no idea what the plight of lower class people is and really don't give a shit about the fact that they're oppressed. And basically um, revealing how a black market economy and how just basic oppression of classes like people from the country or um, uh, sexes like uh, women, the quote-unquote weaker sex who is just supposed to uh, do what you're supposed to do. Um, no idea what, what kind of I would say structural violence that that creates for those people. So that's what what this film's about. It's just how horrible it is to try to go about your daily life and have agency, which very much uh, in this film, our lead uh, character, whose name I can't remember because I'm a horrible sexist and uh, classist person, but her name is Otelia. Um, uh, obviously, she's just a nameless woman to me because I can't deal with a woman protagonist um no that's not why i'm just kind of playing facetious on playing facetiously on the nomen not nomenclature rhetoric i suppose of um you know if i if, if, if i were to talk seriously in that in that way i'm sure i'd be criticized by uh feminist critics or, or uh, racial divide critics or you know basically social justice people for uh, not acknowledging that. So I'm acknowledging it in a comedic way. But at any rate, uh, all those things, creating a situation for that uh, particular individual, while she has agency inside of this film, does not have agency inside of the society in which she lives. Well said. Well said. Uh, and, and Rob is right, uh, which frees me up to go on to the other thing I think it's about. Because, yeah, Rob's right. It is about oppression. It's about a very specific view of an oppression that happened a couple decades ago, but a really interesting, meticulous, and really chilling vision of, of what oppression can look like on the whole, uh, and black markets and all that. Uh, so, But what it's about, uh, other than that, uh, to me, is women. It's about this system and these women making their way through it. This woman, uh, woman Otelia and her friend Gabita, stuck in the situation and how they handle it and what it does to them. And it's about, in a, in a non-voyeuristic, at least non-voyeuristic in the negative way we usually think of it, way of looking right, it's at a window. Yeah, it's, it's a window to looking at this woman. And really, like, 
I don't want to go too far selling this because this is a buzzsaw to the head and the gut of a movie, and it's supposed to be depressing and dispiriting and make you think about why a system like that should not be. But I think, I'm not going to say uplift, but I think if there's a positive kernel to take from this, it is in watching Otelia and watching her strength and resolve and going through this and her resourcefulness. And yeah, kind of seeing... The, it makes me also think of a recent movie I watched, uh, Jean Dielman, this uh, four-hour Belgian film about a woman just going through her day, a uh, housewife just kind of going through her day and what it does to her. And kind of, you know, the system is oppressive and the system is male-controlled and the system is horrible and it devalues women and it forgets them and it tries to use them for sex and all of this. But there's value in watching the strength of a woman in dealing with it. And so that's not a happy truth, but I think it's a positive thing. And I think a movie like this places value on women and, and their strength and, and uses that looking at them as a way to force us to think about social change. And so, yeah, I think it's a, it really is to me a, a great film about a very specific woman who uh, also manifested through a terrific acting performance. And uh, there's also something to be said for I had a thing to say and I forgot it right before I prefaced it. Oh, no. And I can't think of it. So, stall for time, Greg. Stall for time. Well, okay. And while we're talking about it being about women, uh, Otelia is this very resourceful type, but we also get, you know, the women are multifaceted. Gabita is a completely flaky person. And so, it's about her and this was it all women Begun. having to exist in this repressive society and in that way it reminded me i was i know we were talking about this earlier of kind of the things i liked about 12 years a slave and that these are just normal people these could be anyone we know flaky people we know people who are resourceful we know a whole continuum of them women or male and what a system a toxic system like the cssq romanian regime and the illegality of abortion does just to normal character dynamics. In a normal society, the fact that Gabita is flaky and that Otelia isn't it wouldn't lead to anything out of the ordinary. But under this system, these women end up having to deal with rape just because of normal personality fr flaws filtered through the prism of a horrible, toxic system. Right. This is exactly what I was going to get to. Thank you for reminding me. Um... So my thought was, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of the guy who's uh, a lot of the times Ophelia, no, fucking Christ, Otelia. Ophelia, <laughs> Ophelia. <laughs> Don't feel me, bro. <laughs> Don't stop feeling me, bro. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. If if uh, if a fine woman walks up to you at a at a club and says, "You feel me?" Don't feel her. <laughs> well, that's a question. <laughs> right. Not currently. It's a yes say. or no question. Don't don't do it. Um <laughs> Sorry, is that a racist joke? Um, no, I said a fine woman. No, yeah. I didn't say I didn't Yeah, okay. No, I'm good. Um <laughs> So at any rate, uh my whole point was Otelia is the kind of person that I am. Where like when I'm dealing with friends and they they're fucking it up, right? It's just like, uh, yeah, I didn't make that reservation. Oh, uh, yeah, man. I just, like, I picked this guy because, uh, yeah, Steve said he'd be good. And Steve, you fucking keep that goat in the, in the pen. Um, Steve said he would be good. 
And I would be like, Steve's an idiot. Why the... F- like, did you even think for a fact... Or for, did you even think for a fact? Did you even think for a second about the fact that possibly a woman would be better at dealing with a woman's issue? Okay, fuck you. Fuck this guy. Keep those 2,800 Len. Len? Len? Is that what they are? What's the currency? I actually don't know. I think it's oh, Len. Oh, Lay. 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 L-E-I. Not, okay, Len is... Um, Steal my sunshine? <laughs> no, uh, there was a comedian who was talking about uh, accidentally buying a horse when he meant to rent one, and it was in a country where they had Len. Uh, but Lay, yes. Um, so anyway, keep your 2800 Lay. We're going to go find... We're going to keep this hotel room. We're going to get in touch with our friend, and we're going to find the fucking... A nice woman who will do this properly for 2800 lay. Lay. 2800 lay. So, I mean, like, that would be my inclination in, in, in this situation. Like, you're fucking this up. Shut up. Do what I tell you to do because I'm going to fucking do it. But, I mean, I know that I'm coming from a situation where I'm a white male in a society where I can do that in, in a situation where my friends are fucking up. I can just, like, kind of step up and be like, no, I'm going to handle this. You're fucking it up. I'm just going to do this. They're in a situation where they're in Romanian society, where they're a woman. They don't have any power in society. They don't have I- any of that sort of pull. They're not able to just be like, shut the fuck up and do this. A, because they're not trained societally to have that inclination mentally, right? Because society says, you're right. a woman. You're not supposed to do shit, right? Where uh, I'm trained in a very patriarchal, patriarchal white raised society where I go in my brain that's just like my immediate jump I just do that because I mean I'm, I'm told by my parents like stand up be a man take care of the situation blah 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 so I mean like that was one of my initial reactions of like why would you do that why would you fucking you know <laughs> like this guy's obviously horrible why would you sleep with him to get the abortion why wouldn't he just be like you know what fuck you get the fuck out of here you don't like it go take your fake ID down to the counter and get the fuck out of here Yes, I know we paid for this, but you know what? This room only costs us 150 lei, so we can we we can make 150 lei. We can borrow 150 lei. It's much easier than trying to borrow six thousand or whatever the fuck they offered him after the thing. So yeah, like, like three thousand, th- I think. Right, the extra three thousand plus plus the 150 lei they paid for the hotel room minus the 2800 they had. Well, to pay 6000 So I don't want to derail uh, if you're going at a topic, but I think this feeds into something interesting. Well, well, we'll get to it in a second. But basically my point is that that would be my inclination and that they don't have the ability or the resources or the training to kind of take control of that situation like that. And, and by the way, that woman who would perform the abortion might not be available. So now they've just lost however much. Right. And, and blah, 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 and so forth and so on. But... It's interesting when I look at it and I go like, why? Why? No, just fuck that guy. He's a fucking asshole. Uh, why Why wouldn't they do that? And then, you know, you let this simmer in your mind for a couple of days and you go, oh, well, that's why. They're, they're not trained that way. They're not told by society that they even have that as an option. But yeah. you're saying it was going into something interesting, which was... <laughs> yeah, okay, so I think... Well, so... Oh my god, it's an abortion! Sorry, that's my Everyone's having phone. abortions! Um, so, yeah, what I was going to say is, even though Mr. Bebe is a monster, 
I think maybe we at least need to go far enough to maybe take him at his word that any person who is in the system performing abortions illegally is going to try to extract a little something extra if they're that far along to term. But that's what's interesting to me. I think this is a film with so many different kinds of, of monsters. And I normally I resist that kind of black and white talk, like terrorist, anti-terrorist, good, evil. But it, it's monsters with shades of gray. I mean, you even have minor monsters like the rich people around the table who just are completely oblivious to what's going on. And you have the monster that we never really see, which is the CSSQ system, which is manifested in everything from the dealings with the hotel to the people checking tickets on the buses. And it's the system that allowed all this to happen that made abortion illegal. So there's that monster. And then there's the monster of Bebe. And I think, let me say if I haven't alre- said already, this is, to me, a great, fascinating character, this guy. And I, I really like the way these scenes are written. Just this, as I say, kind of banal poetry. Um, and he's a monster who gets to call himself a victim. He's not them. He's anti-them. He's anti-Siosiscu. He's performing abortions right. unbeknownst even, to the you system. You inflicted this thing upon me, yeah, which is me doing this with people I don't trust because you, victim who is now the oppressor of me, doctor who is the victim of everything, the system and everything, you put me in a bad situation Yeah, because so of your irresponsibility. Being in a bad situation, you put me in a bad situation. Yeah, you put me in a bad situation. The government did. I'm just this guy trying to do an honest day's work. You know, I wish I could perform my abortions legally, but I'm stuck in this system. So let me rape you. So let me rape you. He gets to be a victim and a monster at once, and I think that's fascinating. Well, I think that's kind of like the the most animated we're going to get on something like that. Let's go uh, do Metacritical. We'll come back. We'll talk uh, a little bit more about oppression of women in the Romanian society and how the great filmmaking in this film uh, can bring that to the forefront of our minds. And uh, we'll do that in a second. All right. All right. I made a critical. Rob's never gonna win. I made a critical. Brady's the victor again. Woo-hoo. So it's time to play. I'm gonna lose today Metacritical, yeah, it's time Time to play Hi everybody, hi everybody, hi everybody And welcome to Metacritical with Rob And Brady And, uh, let me see We did three weeks I mean, three months Four months, months, three weeks, and two days Yeah Oh, that's just counting backwards How come I couldn't remember that for so long? I don't know. It's just counting backwards and four. If I had realized that, I wouldn't have had to actually memorize it, you know, rote. That's four months, three weeks, two days, one abortion <laughs> on <God>. movie phone. <laughs> um, yes. Um, I guess that was not a problematic joke. I don't know. Maybe not. Look at me being tongue and cheek. Um, <laughs> at <laughs> any rate... Because um, because this movie stars uh, is, is a foreign film and stars no actors that we know have been in other films that we've seen that we could come up with off the top of our head or yeah no that you didn't direct anything we're gonna start with another foreign film that is similar uh, Snowpiercer which does have Chris Evans so it gives us legs to move on to the next one and the next one but uh, Brady what do you think Snowpiercer's at 
Snowpiercer, I'm going to go with like an 82. Because because the last time you looked, it was at 83, huh? I Honestly, I don't know. Well, I mean, full disclosure. Like, we were outside talking, and I'm like, well, if we go to Snowpiercer, well, do you know the Metacritical score for uh, Snowpiercer, Brady? And you're like, well, I knew what it was a w- little bit ago. It's not that I knew what it was, or it's not that I think it's changed since well, Anyway, then. you told me it was 83-ish. And I now that I know that, that you know puts us an even footing. So I'm going to go with uh, it's gone up to 84. Okay, 84. And let's see what it is. I typed snow purser. Hold on. Someone needs to make that movie. 84, Bullseye for Rob. Wow, really? Okay. Yay! I mean, I did have, like, the base to go from, so... Uh, okay, because Chris Evans is in that, and Chris Evans is also in a formerly reviewed uh, Carnivorous Couch movie, Iceman, which I think is like number, I want to say twenty-eight or something like that. Yeah, maybe. No, it's got it's earlier than that. It's like I don't know what it is. Look it up. It's on our website www.carnivoruscouch.com. If you check out our Twitter feed, Carney Couch, it's been posted on there or on Facebook at Carnivorous Couch. Like we've got all this shit. We're also on iTunes. Just fucking yeah, check us out. Look shit up. We're on Stitcher. We're on Beyond Pod. We're on everything I could find. We're not on apparently the iPhone podcast app because from most iPhone users I talk to, that app sucks, and it doesn't have enough stuff on it. Uh. Um, we're gonna work hard on that. By the way, if you listen to this, go on iTunes and just download all our podcasts. You don't have to listen to them. Just download them and delete them. Like, I don't care, right? Download them, delete them, yeah. give us five stars. What are, like, if you don't want to listen, fine, that's cool. But we're going to tell our, all our friends this. We're going to tell everybody that just go on there, click on them, create activity, and maybe we'll get on the shitty, shitty iPhone podcast app, which apparently doesn't have a lot of things if it's not rated high enough on iTunes, yeah, even if it's rated high elsewhere. Downloading us will add years to your life. Oh, so the so Iceman. Anyway, uh, Iceman. Okay. What's Brady going to do? I'm going to go 51. 51? That might be even a little high for the Iceman. It was on Fresh Air. It was reviewed on Fresh Air. I, the, everything that's reviewed on Fresh Air gets a 41, right? So I'm going to go with 42. Okay. <laughs> 60. 60. That is so way that too high. That is way too high. As you could tell from our podcast. Uh-uh. Uh, okay, so that sto- uh, starred, um, well, it had Chris Evans, it had uh, Michael Liotta. Shannon and Ray Liotta, so we're going to go with Goodfellas, which ought to be on Metacritic because it's a seminal film. Yeah, no, it ought to be. We don't uh, know how many reviews it'll have on there, but it's yeah. G- it's got to be in the 90s, right? I would think so. Uh, I guess it's, well, you went first last time, even though, well, I lost points, so we'll just count that uh, as a whatnot, and you have to go first again. Ah, okay, um, I'll go... I'm going to go with a 98. All right. I'm going to go with 89. Mm-hmm. That's probably a 92, but I'm going to go with an 89 in case it's an 85 or something like that, and I can get some... Get, you know, get a little cheddar. Get a little cheddar. Get some action. That. Oh, those are good Eflas. You should try some Eflas. 89. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Nice. D- wait, is that two bullseyes in a row for me? It is. Oh well, not in well, a row. Not in a row, but a bullseye off by nineteen bullseye. 
Yeah. So what's that put you at? It puts me at 20 and you at 18. 19. Wait, I did. Oh, no, I did 42. That's right. You're at 20. I'm at 18. Sweet. Dramatic swings here. So, um, good fellas, that brings us to what? To Casino? Yeah. Uh, both Goodfellas and uh, Casino had Joe Pesci in them, so we'll yeah. go that way. We would have gone to My Cousin Vinny, but we don't think it'll be on Metacritic. Nah. Too old, and it might have one review, in which case that review would be rounded up to it. Oh, maybe we should have done it. Um, it's a good movie, but it's not a, a seminal classic, as you say. Right. Uh, okay, so we're going to do Casino. Uh, you went first last time. I theoretically went second because I lost um, <laughs> on the second one. So I will go. Casino, I remember being um, considered really good, but then I was like, when I watched it most recently when we did it on the cast, I went, oh, not that good. So I'm going to go with 78. That sounds like a good score. It's, it's probably a little low for that, though. It's probably a little higher, but I'm going to go 78 because I assume Brady's going to go higher. You know, I think I'm actually going to go lower on this because I don't know if it's going to get much I'll higher get than that. Points. I'm going to do 75. All right, cool. So I get at least three points on Brady. We'll see how many more I get in a second. 73. Okay. What'd you do? 75. Oh, fuck. So I lost five points and you lost two. Correct. So that puts me at 23 and you at 22. Uh, yeah. Shit. Oh, man. It's uh. actually going to come down to the last movie, and thank God it's a great one. Analyze that, starring Robert De Niro. <laughs> oh, man. That's if you haven't tough. heard you of have to a go comedian first, named Billy Crystal, please, he's a treasure. Yeah. De Niro's yeah, mime is okay, money. too. Mime is money. Mime is money. All right, so I have to go first. Yep. God only knows what the score is. I know I saw this movie and I hated it with every fiber of my being. Uh, it, not that Analyze This is some masterpiece or even a very good movie, but this movie, I'm going to say, got... Uh, I'm going to go like 24. Oh, okay. Uh, then all I have to do is go like 26, because I think it's probably higher than that. Okay. 26. the best part of the movie is at the end when Nero, he like, shoots the bad guy. And he's like, oh, why don't you analyze that? So it's 37. Ah. So that that puts me as a winner, right? It does, it does. So you did 24, I did 26. So we both lost points on that, but I only lost 11 and you lost 13. Yes. Well done. Oh, so I barely beat you. Well, well That's why I went two above you, because I needed two, right? Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. That's how you play the eye. Rob's good at crafts. That's how you analyze how that. <laughs> and now, next week, we'll teach you how to analyze this. And then you'll analyze my fist. A metacritical. I won again. Fuck you. Yes, in your face, Brady, indeed. Um, so now we're back <laughs> with our discussion <laughs> <laughs> of... Um, Women. Four weeks, three months, and two days, which I think was just made up because he was counting backwards. Uh, it's four months, three weeks, two days, or it's other working title, the He-Man Romanian Women Haters Club. <laughs> right. Uh, because there was that shirtless guy in the middle, you know, spliced in for a frame or two. 
Yeah. Did you not see that? Wait. What? There was, uh, you know, just like in the middle, just like this shirtless guy going like, yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> somewhere <laughs> around minute 38. So when you guys rewatch this, check out minute You know, there's like an intermission where it's like, okay, you watch little ladies run around enough. Now you watch workout. Great men work out. Exactly. Because that's what all Romanian films are like. Um, no, I want to talk about the scene where she's um, leaving the party. And she's on her way to um, go see if Gabit is okay. Okay. Because there's a, there's a lot of her just like... Um, she leaves there, and then she walks, and she's, like, walking along gangplanks, and she's walking through alleys. And it, it's basically just painting it as, like, nighttime is a terrible place for women in Romania. Yeah. Uh, there's a, like, when she's leaving, he's like, well, let me walk you out. Let me, you know, like, let me get you a cab, blah, blah, blah. And she's just, like, so pissed at him that she's like, no, fuck off. Like, I'm pissed at you for a lot of things. And actually, uh, I also want to talk about the conversation they were having beforehand, because... I think right before I watched this movie, I was having the same kind of conversation with my girlfriend, which was something along the lines of, I know you don't say that, but you make me feel this way. Even I know you think this, even though you haven't said that. Right. Right. Uh, which, I mean, in the situation that he was having the conversation, she was probably right. Because it was like about abortion and like, oh, I'll do this and blah, blah, blah. No, I don't think we'll ever have to have that problem. She's like, but you forced yourself to come inside me last Thursday. So he doesn't have a leg to stand on. Now, to be honest with my girlfriend, I think I do have a leg to stand on because usually my conversation is something like, wait, why do you think I think that? I didn't say that. You said this. I didn't say that. Yeah, but when you act that way, I'm like, yeah, but that's not literally what I said. So, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but anyway, I do want to talk about the scene that she's walking. But it's, yeah, it's true what they say: women analyze this and men <laughs> analyze that. <laughs> well, well put, Brady. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, but there's this scene where she's like walking along gangplank, and that's where she vomits, right? Uh, uh it's not on the gangplank. It's in like no, it's in like in alley. a parking lot or in the alley or whatever. She just like is. But like yeah, it's she's same just scene. so upset by the thing, which I vomited when I moved from Toledo to California. Uh, just because I was upset. Nerves? Yeah, mm. just fucking... I mean, I w- it could have just been that I ate something bad, too. My mom thought it was because I was upset. But she might have been saying something that I didn't say. Well, yeah, just <laughs> like with Otelia, you were probably thinking about friends and stuff, except in this case, your friend wasn't... Probably bleeding to death in a hotel room. But thankfully for Otelia, neither is Gabita. Right. Uh, but she does get there, and then the fetus is there, and then there's another scene that's very similar where she's wandering around at night, and she has to, like, dump this thing. And in the background, we're hearing dogs barking, which is a callback to what the doctor said. Right. Right. And, I mean, like, whenever I was watching that, I, again, had this sort of, like, you know, just... So when I was a kid, <laughs> like 15, 16, 17, I used to smoke pot, you know, every now and then. Uh, Just a little, a little. Well, like I, I would get like a 20 sack from a friend at school. And like the, the motion was this, like like this, Brady. Hey, uh, uh, shake my hand. Like you give him 20 bucks and then you go shake my hand. Mm-hmm. Mm. And they, they'd hand you the pot in your hand. 
Yeah, so that's a high five ish thing and a fist pound following. Right, it up. but they'd put the pot in their hand, and and in that way, it wouldn't look like we were exchanging drugs. It wasn't just like here. Right. Right. So um, so we would do that, and then I would take that thing, I would put it in my guitar case, I would put f- like four sets of strings on top of it, and then stuff it with the polishing rag from my guitar case, and hopefully it wouldn't smell like anything. And then when I got home, I would take that, and there was a hole in the bottom of my box spring, and I would um. I would uh uh there was I would reach in to where the springs are connected to the wooden planks and I would take scotch tape and I would tape the the pot uh on top of that baseboard. It's basically unfindable, right? We didn't have a dog or anything in our house or pets. We had an outdoor cat, but basically yeah. unfindable. It's not really possible to find this thing. And then so when I wanted to smoke pot, what I would usually do is I would uh Take a can of Coke from the fridge. I'd take the pot. I'd be very careful to get out of the house quickly after removing the pot from the plates. And I'd, I'd go to a somewhere. You know, I'd have a backpack with my disc man in it. And I'd, yeah, I'd go up in the hills in the park or something like that and smoke out of an aluminum can. You crush the can halfway. You poke holes. You poke a hole in the side for a carb. And this can becomes your pipe. And this can smells like weed and blah, blah, blah. And you've got this hot thing in your backpack. You're walking around with it. But you don't want to just ditch it anywhere. Because, A, you don't want to litter because you don't want to be a dick. Yeah. And, uh, B, but you've got this thing in your backpack that you have to get rid of. And so my immediate assumption is just like, well, just dump it, just bury it anyway, or just dump it in a can anyway, or or blah, blah, blah. Because who the fuck cares if somebody finds it when you're not there? Right. I mean, other than that it happened, which everybody knows abortions have happened. Um, who the fuck cares? Just get rid of this hot thing that's in, in your backpack. Now, for me, for some reason, it was don't litter. I guess for her, for some reason, it was bury it or, you know, a burial for this poor unborn child who uh, obviously is a very emotional thing. But anyway, just the idea of walking around and not just ditching it in the first place was a very visceral experience to me that I, again... Uh, upon immediately watching it, I was just like, why the fuck just not get rid of the hot thing that's in your bag that if you were caught with, you'd... Yeah, yeah, just like with the dinner table scene, I I like the the scene of her going through very, (laughs) very slowly, going through the process of getting rid of it, uh, really plays with time and is amplified by time, because, well, at least on a first-time viewing, any moment could be the moment that she's caught. Uh, It could be the moment even that something violent happens to her. One time in the scene, we see this shadowy figure that keeps walking behind her. And she eventually does something that I think I've probably done when I've been scared out at night, where she's like, okay, I'm going to talk to him. Like, he can't creep up on me. I'm going to turn and ask this guy what time it is and right. find right. out if he means violence to me. Right. Uh, I remember when I was walking uh, just at night, like uh, when I was a kid in suburban white community Alamo, like yeah. I'd have people behind me um, I got picked on a lot as a kid, but I mean, like, I'd be walking, and there would be three people who I knew to be bullies who would beat up on me, and blah blah blah. Yeah. Uh, and so like, I always kept them on my left side because the idea was if they came up on my left, I could turn around without them seeing me and throw a right hook. Right. Right. So whenever I was walking up Las Trampas and there was somebody behind me late at night, blah blah blah. But I would do the same thing. I would go, um, I would just turn around and be like, "Hey, man." Uh, kind of just freaked out by you walking behind me. You mind walking in front of me? <laughs> right? Because yeah. it's better than 
somebody creeping up behind you, just like, and then and then at that point they 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 kind of know like that you mean them no harm, right, right. However, if I did that to somebody and they happened to be black, which there were no black people in Alamo, I mean there were a couple, but I mean that might have been offensive to them. Yeah, maybe. Well, who, who knows? but I mean I would have done it. I did it to people. Who Again, white male confused about what's okay. It was okay in Alamo, blah, blah, blah. Especially since they had a big dog with them. Right. They wanted to be sick of him. (laughs) But at any rate, I I do like that observation. Thank you. So, yeah, I mean, so what do you think about the dogs? We already, as I said when I was, I think in the plot synopsis, the two motifs that we can pick out, I think, are water. We have. Numerous scenes where running water is used to not have to listen to something, to shut out nastiness, to not have to hear the sex going on, all that. What do the dogs mean? Or, or what she does it also when she's in the um, in the bathroom, she's and she's trying to get out of the situation, and she's like, I have to go to the bathroom, and she turns on the water to run it while, you know, as if she was washing her hands or something like that, when right. really she was just standing in there going... This fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, just buying a moment of time. Right. A little peace of mind. So what do the dogs mean? I'm not sure the dogs necessarily mean anything. It does create an ominous feel to have dogs barking. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. I think uh, what I like about the dogs in that scene and how they're called back to before is just, it. even though this is a period piece and making its points politically and through good acting, I like that to me, what lifts this high, as high as it is is that it has moments of actual visual and oral poetry, and the dogs barking to me is just a, a horrible, oppressive, violent, and visceral Romania just howling its head off. And this is this is the kind of world you're in. The very night is just screaming at you. I think that's a good place to stop and go do understudy. Screaming at you! Scream! So sorry we couldn't get the actors to do the scene from this screenplay, but we've got two understudies, and to be honest, they're probably more famous anyway. So try to catch the actors, try to guess the movies, tweet us at C A R N Y Couch. This game called Understudy is happening, happening, happening right now. VD. Hello, person. Primo, it's Paul Vitti. Yeah, how's it going? Not good. Whoever killed Dominic is shooting at me now, and I'm having a lot of feelings, and I'd kind of like some closure on this. What kind of feelings? I feel very angry, you know? Very, uh, enraged. Mad, real mad! Well, so why are you telling me? Why am I telling you like uh, you had nothing to do with it? I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, whatever. I just wanted to tell you that that's how I feel because I know that anger is a a blocked wish and I'm getting my wish unblocked and I, I am looking to go forward with some closure. And if you make one more... Move on me, I 
I, I swear to God, I'll cut your fucking balls off and shove them up your ass. Oh, uh, cool. Get a dictionary and find out what this closure is. If that's what he's hitting us with, person. I want to know what the hell it is. That was undecided. Tweet us your answer at C A R N Y Couch. Hey, Brady. Hey, Rob. Hey, what are we doing next week for our year anniversary of Carnivorous Couch? Oh, shit. Uh, I think we should get the girlfriends. And watch the seven percent solution. Oh, the nineteen seventy six film based on the nineteen seventy four novel. That's right, Rob. I'm not sure if that's right, but it's somewhere in the seventies. It's on the air. It's right. I think we're doing that. I think we're doing that too. I think we had plans because yeah, our most prominent it. guests are. Well, our most prominent guest is obviously uh, Tess, and uh, Granny's out of town this week, and uh, David. Uh, is buying a condo. Good, good for him. And uh, have we had any other guests? We've had Mandy. Yeah, we've had Mandy. Uh, we've had Ben and Ross. Oh yeah, we've had Ben and Ross. Uh, well, you know Ross is hard to pin down, and Ben's always legaling it up. Yep, like a real lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're always filming it up like a real film critic, so. Exactly. Um, well, yeah. Uh, anything else to say? That's what we're gonna do next week. Hey, hey. Grandy, theme song. Carnivorous couch. It happens once a week. It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep. It forces us to watch a film about which we then speak. Carnivorous couch. With Brady and Rob. Let me examine you. And then you'll analyze my fist. <laughs>